0: This is Booting Up, where we talk to the best in tech about early careers. You'll learn what it takes to get your first job and rise the ranks of the tech world. Now onto the show with host, Rod Dana.
1: It's time for Booting Up. Welcome, everyone. I hope everyone's having a great week. Awesome hump day. Tonight, we are talking to a guest who is a senior software engineer, about to start a startup, but was at Slack, Yelp before, and went to Hack Reactor. So we're about to get into her story in just a minute, but if it's your first time here, make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a like after the show if you enjoy it or if you learn anything new. And if you do also share it with a friend, you know, we wanna make sure that everyone coming out of bootcamp has a support network and has some resources to learn from. Uh, But without further ado, let's bring on Laura.
0: Hi, how are you?
1: Hey, Laura, how's it going? You're, You're in Aspen right now, huh?
0: I am in Aspen, I got some skiing in today.
1: Nice. It, yeah. You you uh, you have like a like a house there. Is, that, is this like a long term stay or?
0: Uh no, I've been skiing all over this season because of COVID. Um, and it's like a, a thing you can do that's in the United States. Um, so uh, we're we're staying in the bottom of the hill. Um, and we were in Jackson for New Year's, so we've been doing skiing all over.
1: <laughs> Living the life and like that. So I guess that's like, something you've been doing for a while though, because like I, know I was checking your LinkedIn and. Seems like you were a big time traveler, right?
0: Yeah, I have traveled a lot. So um, I uh, originally studied abroad uh, in college as well as taking a gap year. So I lived in France for a year um, and then did a semester in Hong Kong, a semester in Seoul, um, and then did internships in Paris and London.
1: L- literally all over.
0: Literally all over. But my my Cantonese and Korean is very bad, and my French is quite good.
1: <laughs> well, I don't I don't even have a, even the slightest hint of of any of those languages. So you're ahead
0: of me. No testing me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but and then where did you would you grow up? Like what, what was like your hometown?
0: Yeah, Kansas City was my hometown. So very different. Um, So I'm very Midwestern. My parents are from the South. So um, very uh, sort of different background than I think most people um, who are in software engineering. Um, But uh, yeah, i lived a very sort of suburban childhood and, and outside of Kansas City.
1: And is this is Kansas City, Kansas, or this Kansas City, Missouri?
0: Missouri. Oh my goodness, this is the question everyone asks. Um, so uh, the complicated answer is Kansas, but like not in Kansas City, Kansas. So yeah. nobody actually really lives in Kansas City, Kansas. Um, it's like actually a pretty small uh, area. A lot of people live in Kansas City, Missouri, and then um, the suburb of Kansas City, Missouri, is uh, in Johnson County, Kansas. So it's like the Johnson County is is a is a big place where people live. Um, so. But on the Kansas side. Gotcha.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's it's not something I'll probably get wrong again, but is at least i learned. No,
0: <laughs> it's fine. It's spanned the border for a long time. Kansas City, Missouri has been around for longer than Kansas City, Kansas. So
1: oh, oh geez over there.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so when you're going and you're traveling abroad this whole time, like initially you were focused on going on the international studies route, is that right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that I was going to go into law. Um so I originally uh, majored in political science and international relations with a focus on like economic policy um, and. Um, I, uh that's the reason I was studying abroad so much uh, the reason I was like focusing on French as a language because it's the other language used at the UN be- besides um uh besides English uh and uh yeah so uh, i was fr- i was very focused on that um and uh after college I decided to go be a law clerk um, at a large law firm working in uh court procedures um so essentially what I did was uh, for really like intense, uh, high-profile litigations, um, I would help attorneys focus on uh, like the timelines and like when to file things and like do all their filings for them and uh, help them with their early briefs and doing proofreading and that type of thing. Um, and while there, everyone seemed pretty miserable. I mean, uh, like very miserable. Uh, and so uh, every attorney would. They, I think they all thought they were doing it individual. They, they, I think they thought they were all individuals and that they were the only one doing this, but each and every single one, even ones I never interacted with, would like randomly have these conversations with me being like, okay, well, you cannot be a lawyer. Like you can you can choose a different life. You haven't gone to law school yet. You're about to go to law school and we'll um, uh, like... Do something else. like it's not a good it's not a good path. um just because of the way the business of litigation um, works right now. Uh, the field itself is quite interesting, but um the business side of it is pretty brutal. um and so they were encouraging me to to kind of look elsewhere.
1: so so that was the original plan though. so you you plan to become mm-hmm. a lawyer after uh, all this. was so like basically like work first and then mm-hmm. go to law school.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was like a final make sure that I felt excited still about being a, a lawyer after having worked in the field for a couple of years. Um, and to give me like a little bit of time to study for the LSAT. Um, and so it kind of like worked for both, like two birds, one stone. All right. So,
1: so I guess like your coworkers kind of saved you. Uh, but <laughs> what made you go specifically to software engineering?
0: yeah so for me i i had chosen san francisco after college which was kind of a somewhat non-traditional track um to choose for what i was generally interested in um it really sort of stemmed from um during the financial crisis bloomberg had like I was reading uh, Bloomberg Weekly and every single page was like doom and gloom and everything's going really badly. And then they had a spread that was all cartoons and said, meanwhile, in Silicon Valley, and it literally had a unicorn like jumping across the spread. (laughs) Um, It was like really, (laughs) very fun and it really stuck with me. Um, And I uh, so I was like deciding on where I wanted to live after college. um, And I was like, you know, I don't know. I feel like San Francisco might be like the place It just it feels very creative. And although I want to go into law, like I like being around other people who are interested in um, and in building things and um, creating things. And um, and so that's why I chose San Francisco. And then once you live in that environment, um, especially like that was 2013, um, like it's impossible not to have all of your friends be in tech. Um, you know, it's it, it just sucks live- you in. Yeah, it just sucks you in like everyone is either in tech or supporting tech in some way. I was working, um, specifically on, um, like litigations that related to tech companies and um so i just was like immediately pretty immersed in the world um and it always felt like i was in some ways a very like well-paid janitorial service in law like i was just constantly cleaning up messes that i did not make myself um and it felt like when i was talking with my friends that they were always like building something new and creating something new um and so that uh really uh that drew me to the to the field. Um, I think ultimately the difference between uh, law and tech is pretty. Um, See, I right. think that there are a lot of transferable skills. There are like really? a lot of understanding of the way that uh, things are constructed, um, like logic different. a lot thinking yeah exactly and being able to to craft things in that way is beneficial to both fields so that's like where that sort of transition started
1: interesting so then going to, to like software engineering like did you have an initial plan like how you're going to break in or like what we'll, we'll pushed you towards the boot camp route
0: yeah i mean i guess i could have gone and gotten my master's and like on that route um i was i at the time i felt like hack reactor was like the the place that i really wanted to be and i wanted it to be somewhat quickly and the issue is is if i wanted to have got my master's i would have had to do all my prereqs i hadn't i had zero prereqs um except like one class in java that i took in college um so there was just like it would have taken me like three years, um, which would have been essentially a law degree. Um, so I uh it was just back like, at square one. Yeah, I wanted yeah, I wanted to be a much tighter timeline. Um, and so what I did was I did the MIT open courseware on like data structures and alg- algorithms. Um yeah,
1: that's great.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just to like make sure that I was sure that I wanted to do this. Um, and like if it's, it is hard to study on your own, like without any support, Mm -hmm. like when you're 23 and everyone's going out and like, you you don't want (laughs) to, you know what I mean? And I just, I am like sitting there doing a a class, like while I'm also working, you know, a 60 hour week, it's like a very time consuming. And so the idea was I could finish that then I, uh, that I would go to Hack reactor.
1: So how long did that take you to finish?
0: I did it within like what would be a semester, so within the timeline that they they prescribed.
1: Oh, I think scary. that there's, that there's yeah.
0: yeah, I think that there's something that's important about having momentum um, and consistency um, because you have to constantly like relearn things that you theoretically already knew, but then you you forget and you're kind of back to square one. You really need that like continuous like uh, education um, and continuous learning.
1: Yeah, so, so the boot camp kind of gave you that structure and, and made mm-hmm. you kind of build build the momentum further because you have someone kind of holding you accountable. You're mm-hmm. putting, you're putting your money on the line also. So
0: mm-hmm. exactly.
1: And then, how long was your was your boot camp? Was it like a oh, six month one, three month?
0: Three month. Um, so it was a bit. how uh, Character at the time was. A, uh, I I don't know what it is exactly now. Um, I think it's still similar. Um, it was like a month and a half of pre-course work. Um, so you would, you could still work and have it. It was similar to like what I was doing prior. Um, yeah. So you would do um, the pre-course work for a month and a half then you do three months and then you're on the job market. But I ended up staying three months after as what was called a hacker in residence. Um, and so you yeah. are essential, I, I was in charge of um, mentoring students during their time while uh, in their pre course work and doing interviews. Yeah, so like I did. like, Yeah, exactly. I was exactly like a TA.
1: Yeah. So, so you did that you, you did you were the TA after the program finished? Yes. Right? So, yes. so, so when did you finish the program? What, what month and year?
0: Um oh my god. Um it was in November and it was over five years ago. So I think twenty sixteen. Uh November. no twenty fifteen. November of twenty fifteen.
1: November of twenty fifteen. Okay. So so coming out of boot camp, like what where was your head at? Were you like, hey, like I'm ready, I'm ready to rock and roll, or are you like
0: oh, No, I'm I am no freaking kid. out like everyone else. <laughs> 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 no. Um so I uh, there were a few things so i had a really good support system from uh like friends and family a lot of people i knew who are engineers who knew me quite well um and really gave me some strong advice about not um staying in web development and moving to ios um and so i essentially was like uh, I basically had to redo Hack Reactor <laughs> during, um, during my hacker in residence. So I wasn't just being a TA and like doing interviews. I was also doing um, Stanford 193P, which is basically the capstone course that people in the Bay Area, if you want to learn how to do iOS programming, this is the course you take um, and everyone from Stanford grads to me, are, uh, are taking it. Um, and Paul Haggerty uh, puts a new one up every fall. Um, and that's how you learn iOS programming. Um, and so... What I did was I kept a consistent schedule of working on that while I was also, and, and Stanford's on the quarter system, so theirs is actually three months long with their classes. Oh, okay. so it actually stacked up very nicely. Um, so I, while I was a hacken residence, I was doing this, and I was studying um, and doing projects so that my resume was actually an iOS resume and not a web development one.
1: Interesting. And so so going from like web development to iOS, like what would you say is the biggest difference? Was was it like really hard or was it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's hard. I don't know how to say this in the right way. I, I just think iOS development is harder than like web development um, because it is much closer to the metal. You're, you have to understand memory management, Um, I'm not walking uphill both ways anymore. You have something that's called Arc, which is um, what the system does. It weaves in um, the allocation and deallocation of the memory, but you can, you have to do a lot more networking uh, stuff. You have to have more intimate knowledge about like how the hardware of an iPhone works. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You're having to deal, like, I think maybe what would be, Considered easier is that you have a sandbox. You're you're um, you're operating only in the iOS ecosystem. And it, what is really difficult about web development is not just getting it to work on Google Chrome. It's getting it to work on, you know, Internet Explorer, or whatever. Sorry, like Yeah. Safari, yeah. <laughs> so um so yeah, it was it was difficult. Um, but I uh, I think that you know, like anything, it's about consistency and it's about like continually um, checking in, uh, with what the material is. Um, and I, I'm not saying that in a way that's like, oh, nobody, it's harder to learn. And so I, I, and I learned it. It's more like, you know, anyone can, anyone who's like passionate about engineering can learn about any other form of it. I've had to do some backend when I was at Yelp. Um, uh, I did like a Four month deputy ship working on the Yelp main backend for mobile, uh, the, mobile IP, uh, the mobile API. Um, mm-hmm. And you can, anyone can learn these things. It's about having the, um, having the like stick to itness um, and being dogged and being committed to learning new things. And I think that that's how engineering, like how you excel in engineering, is not being too focused on one platform, but, um, Really being open to learning.
1: No, that makes sense. And like a couple of things that you mentioned that I didn't think about before. So one, like how many things you have to consider. Like I, ne- mm-hmm. I always thought like iOS is kind of more simple because you kind of, you know, like you said, you have one platform the ability are for. But I guess that that is true. You're working with something that is expected to work at a at a faster speed than on the web. I, I think mm-hmm. on web there's more kind of leeway in terms of how fast something is. Mm-hmm um and then also yeah you, you get like intimate with w- this one platform so i feel like the, the work you produce also ends up coming out better you you get a
0: yeah with- i i mean peop- there are some people doing some amazing stuff in web development so i mm-hmm. i don't want to in any way poo-poo that but i i mean a native platform it it feels it just feels right it doesn't like lag it doesn't have issues that are the same way it's the reason that i uh this the startup i'm joining i'm rewriting their app that's currently in react native to fully native um and that's because it's a video sh- it has a video streaming component um there's a lot of sort of uh animations these type of things just you know the just having something that feels tangibly right i can't tell you exactly why it feels right it just works much more quickly the interactions are not sort of like you know facebook's interpretation of what apple has like created um it's which is essentially what react native is um it's uh some people who are highly intentional um that are saying like this is how we believe an application should work this is the way we believe that a phone should act um and so there's just i think intention um with ios applications is one of the things that i um i enjoy so much about the platform um what's sad about that is that you really need to spend some time gaining some expertise in order to like the barrier to entry is much higher um than web whereas web what's great is it's wild westy like everyone can just like open up their console and like Mm -hmm. see what's what yeah and like and and so it gets people more involved it makes people more curious and think about what they're building um and so there's it's there you know engineering is about trade-offs and life is too and that's yeah
1: yeah. So like, so like you mentioned, like it's kind of a harder entry. So you said everyone told you to go to iOS and that's when you ended up going there. So like once you actually started searching for a job, did you notice it was like harder to, to find iOS positions versus web or mm. opposite? I
0: it's I think that there are drawbacks on both of it. Is there are less <laughs> iOS jobs, but the ones that are needed are Maybe much more hard to like find for. So uh, mm-hmm. there, it's a smaller pool um, because, but the uh, there are just less iOS engineers, and so the competition is a little bit uh, not less fierce, but you know, it's just there. There are less of them. Um, so uh, I think that for the interview process, that was an interesting sort of. That was an interesting experience. Um, I think that my experience would be slightly different than people looking for a web job, but not that much because it was like my first engineering job. Everyone, every employer is taking a chance on whoever their first, their yeah, hire is. Who, yeah. Their first engineering job. Sorry, I didn't hear you.
1: No, I said, yeah, it's, it's always, it's always a risk kind someone yeah. junior. You don't, you don't have anything to go by and yeah. that's why you know, it's hard to break into tech, but there's definitely uh, some sort of uh some plans going around including one that i'm leading to try to get companies to trial people instead
0: yeah exactly
1: yeah so but uh one thing so with ios i know the only boot camp i know that had a program was lambda and they had ios engineering but they actually stopped it like six months ago or eight months ago
0: oh interesting
1: yeah so so why do you think that most boot camps don't have dedicated programs to that
0: um uh... Because I, so I guess backing up to why I chose Hack Reactor in the first place, Hack Mm -hmm. Reactor, I picked it because it had a solid foundation in engineering principles and not just, Mm -hmm. um, not just like CS. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I felt like the people out of that program who have always been the most successful are the ones who are less focused on like JavaScript trivia and more about like the larger picture of like building applications, building like engineering principles. Um and so you have to teach you have you would have to teach in a bootcamp those principles in order to get somebody hired and then after that teach them iOS programming. Um so I don't think like in order to be a really like successful iOS engineer uh I think that you need to have like a f- solid foundation. You can't just like open up like the console and sort of like tool around you you really need to you need to have a solid like foundation in order to understand what is going to be like the changes that are being made because the thing with apple is that you it often as a platform they're really willing to like kill stuff like you know your features are Yeah, like you know, remember like the phone jack, and they took everyone's phone jack away, and everyone was very all up in arms, and it was a big doings, and then nobody cared. They do that with their programming as well. They're like they'll take away tools or they'll change the SDK, and it's like just deal with it. And like you know, you have to have like a solid foundation to understand more than just like the iOS ecosystem. You need to understand like what is like the like zooming out, what is their vision and why are they doing these different things? And so I think I think that boot camps probably would uh, would probably have a hard time doing all of that within three months. Um, Six months. Yes. I I mean, I did in six months It's possible, but um, it's hard.
1: Yeah, because the curriculum also you have to update it constantly because there's stuff
0: coming out. Yeah.
1: So that makes more sense. So so going into the interview process, Um, so you did, you kind of learned your, your iOS stuff that took you how long again, three months, three months. Okay. So then right now we're looking at what, where are we in the timeline? This is February,
0: 2016. yes, February, 2016.
1: All right. And then, so at that point, is that when you like, you're like, all right, now I'm launching the job search or.
0: Yes. Immediately.
1: (laughs) So so, what was, what was that like? And how long did it take you to get a job?
0: um it took me a month to get a job um okay. it was i mean like it was incredibly difficult um you you know i like everyone else it, like getting your first job in any field like you are essentially asking an employer to take a chance on you um and like they're agreeing not for the value add that you currently have um they're agreeing that like you have the capacity to Learn and become the engineer that they want you to be. Like mm-hmm. I think that that's something that um, new grads are less understanding of. I think that they there's an idea that, oh, I have to have all of this knowledge, and then once I have all this knowledge, then I'll get hired. Or if I have this knowledge, I will get hired. Um, ultimately, it's y- y- there are so many things that go on to being a an engineer in a, in a large company that they're they're instead agreeing hey i um i believe that you are that you want to learn and are teachable (laughs) and and, um and that you will be like a good value add and you're a good culture add and like all these different things that are uh non-tangible so i think that like your enthusiasm for learning is one of the most important things to convey in an interview um and will get you so far um i mean i have done more interviews than i think most engineers because i also did interviewing at Hack reactor and there i did 20 hours in interviews a week so i have interviewed more people than probably any person i've met in tech um and uh yeah and that so for me, as as an interviewer, that is the most important thing. Um, so I essentially uh, went in with this sort of idea, like this as a hypothesis and mm-hmm. tested it out and it definitely is proven true. Um, I applied to, I think it was like 65 jobs, um, which now I hear candidates are like doing like hundreds, which I can't even imagine yeah,
1: that. Like 500, like
0: 1000. Oh, yeah, that's not the world I, I lived in. Um uh, just because the the market was different, um a lot of things were different. Um it was twenty 20- 2016, um and it was pre-COVID and like pre a bunch of boot camps putting um a ton of candidates out. Um yeah. so yeah, and and I was doing iOS. So there was just so many things that like sort of differentiated me. But um ultimately like the same truth of once I get to an on-site, the truths that I experience are the same truths that everyone experiences that um you must craft a narrative um as to why you're in sitting there in their office like talking to them about like being an engineer you have to like sh- demonstrate knowledge but also demonstrate be be interesting and interested those are the the way of putting it um yeah like i like, like, that. I like yeah, that you really need to convey that every opportunity that you have to do that is important um and that was like the key to my my interviews. And also um, I had I had another offer besides Yelp um, that I was never gonna take, cause it was just too low, um, but nobody else knows that. Like it's, you have an offer in hand and like hold that dear and precious. Um, it makes you significantly more desirable because you've all of a sudden, somebody else has given you a stamp. Yeah. And so we want her. And you have, and like, if you have that let everyone else know because then they all of a sudden now are like, oh, well somebody else like finished this process with her and is like really stoked. So I should do the same thing um, and like move her along. So I understand like when you have, you know, little golden tickets, they make a difference.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. Like we, we always want what we don't have uh, or we can't have. And in that case, like even if you get a offer at a company you don't like, Like you, I guess you leverage that to get into a company you do like.
0: Mm -hmm. Like that's
1: smart. It's smart. Yeah. So then you started your your first year at uh, at, at Yelp. Like, what were some of the biggest difficulties to adjusting to an actual job?
0: Um, I think that. Oh, that's hard. I, so I joined a startup inside of Yelp that was for their reservations platform. At the time it was called SeatMe, Me um, and it was an acquisition. So I was in this sort of like skunk works project inside of Yelp. Um, yeah. And so you had the the benefits of being at Yelp that was like a larger organization. Um, but uh, and like funding and all of that. But um, you also had like the freedom And lack of structure um, that is uh, similar to a startup, and I think that that lack of structure was very hard for me, uh, especially coming from law. Everything's highly structured. Um, I mean, I literally my previous job was giving people structure, like, (laughs) like, um, and saying, "Transition for you." Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I'm like going to this world where it's like I don't know, and like the PM hasn't like built, like, told us what to make, and so I spent, like, two weeks creating a style guide for everyone, so, like, and, like, universe, like, uh, like, centralizing all their colors and, like, just finding out what to do. Um I felt like the first year was kind of, like, me figuring out, like, how to exist in that type of world, um, and it's always been the thing I've struggled with most. Um And so if I were to give advice, if you have like two offers in hand and one's at a bigger organization and one's at like a startup and you're in the position that I was five years ago, you should go to a bigger organization. You need to learn from people, you need mentorship. Like this job, this first job you have out, the most important thing is your learning like and Mm -hmm. you know you will contribute to the organization you'll have things that you could be like hey mom i built that but ultimately like the thing that is most important is to to have a solid foundation so that you can figure out what you want to do next because right now you're in like you know wartime mode which is get a job um like and and anything yeah yeah like and then you know, then you can sort of like suss out like, okay, how do I feel about these different things? What are the different types of orgs I like? How do I, where do I thrive? Where do I learn? Yeah.
1: No, that's, that's true. Like I, I always say also, yeah, like you want a bigger company if you can, you know, it's not obviously possible for everyone. But like when I came out of, out of college, like I worked at American Express and they have 150K employees. So
0: mm-hmm. I,
1: I was literally just like learning so much on the job and just like, Apply my learning right away. And I had time to do that because there was, you know, it's not like a startup yeah. where it's like, it's like, are you like, you're, you're not producing something today, then like you're falling behind already.
0: Yeah, exactly. You need that space to explore. And I think that's so important. Yeah.
1: So, so you're working at like this internal startup, I, but Yelp should have been pretty big at that time though, no? Mm-hmm. Or was this well, working like at internal in subsidiary?
0: It was like a, so there's a type of, um, like department, it's called a GM model. Um, and yeah. so it's, like, they have a general manager who is essentially like the CEO of this like internal startup inside of a larger company. Um, so they report to the CEO, they report, like they also their director of like or VP of engineering will report to the CTO but they're kind of like operating in their own sort of world um mm-hmm. and uh it's essentially more like a startup inside of the company
1: gotcha okay so, so, you, so you work inside the startup for about three years the whole the whole three years were in that department
0: no I ended up um I in I, so I yes I did end up in that department, but I was originally, sorry, working on the um, iPad app. So it's reservations. There's a front of house management um, system similar to what you would see on OpenTable, but this was the first iPad version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like running the front of house app. Um, so I f- that was for me, the lack of structure that I really didn't enjoy um, because it, the app was like literally the definition of legacy code. Like I mean, it was like like legacy code. It was just like oh,
1: legacy. Okay. Uh,
0: uh, it was just like twenty five hundred line files everywhere. Like and <laughs> like and completely unable, like unorganized. It's all over the place. Um, and there were some really really smart people who were breaking that down and who were bringing it up to like where it should be. But it was just, it was like really need some tender love and care and so um when i had the opportunity to move to the yelp the main yelp app like their flagship mobile application um mm-hmm. i jumped at that and so then i went and worked on that for two years um and that yeah, is where sexy. i really feel it yeah it, it's where i learned how to be an ios engineer really like it's where i learned good habits good hygiene good um Ways of thinking about problems, um, you know, having that support, uh, having an infrastructure team that I could like talk to. Um, they're a really sort of the infrastructure team at Yelp has been around that application for nearly since its inception, and that app has been in the, at the App Store since the first App Store. So um, they they know what they're doing. Um, that is a really, really well-run organization, um, and that's really where I felt like I, I learned the most. Yeah, no,
1: happy, happy to hear you actually found the structure in the end. <laughs> you were <laughs> lost too long.
0: I mean, I'm joining a startup now, so I'm fine. I like I can end up doing that, but I'm just trying to give advice for people who are early in their career. Yeah, it's like you can you can go and be off book later on and like enjoy that, but you know you want to create a solid foundation so that you can make like good choices mm-hmm. long term for you don't want to be the person who's creating that legacy code that then laura has to look at and like <laughs> and struggle with yeah. um, like you want to like you
1: don't feel me that.
0: <laughs> yeah like
1: so, so uh after yelp like what what, what kind of triggered you like hey like i'm ready to move on to something new was it just a recruiter messaging you or was it something specific? Be like all right it's time for something fresh
0: I mean, I don't know how to like say this. It's like my, my stock, like, you know, like the stock was not doing well at Yelp. Um, and it was oh, okay. a constant roller coaster, um, every quarter. Um, and that's pretty well publicized and I don't feel like I'm the only person who has ever said that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it was like, I, it's a great product. I really enjoyed working there, but, um, ultimately, like, can your conveyance of the value add to the world or value add to people's lives, um, if you cannot convey that properly to uh, key investors um, and meet metrics or exceed metrics, which is something that I learned a lot about, which is like your you might set guidances. um, And but there are a lot of internal guidances that investors have. Mm -hmm. um, It might. Yeah, that like, if you don't meet their like super secret, like internal guidance, then your stock crumbles. Um, So uh, like, even if you already set different expectations, so like seeing going to a company that has a sort of like two way street. um, And not only that, um, not based on ads, like most a lot of companies in Silicon Valley, they their decisions are made based on advertising um, and uh, trying to keep people on their platforms um, as long as they can, uh, whether that's good for the user or not. Um, and so, I, I the combination of those two things made me want to join a different company. And um, Slack was pre-IPO at the time. Um, my fiance uh, was working there, and um, but he's in a very different org. He's in the security operations org. Um, so I've actually, not. I've only been in a meeting with him once, which is always a bad thing because it's like if I'm in like a meeting- To discuss uh, like a security meeting, like there's something that's gone terribly wrong on my (laughs) end. Thankfully, it wasn't my fault. But like, you know, I so I rarely get to see him actually when I was at Slack. But um, and he referred me and said that I should check it out. um, And the combination of being pre-IPO and not being ads uh, based revenue was very attractive to me. So when you start to get picky, like when you when you have the ability to start becoming incredibly picky about where you want to go, like going to a place that is does not have ads revenue as like their primary like flagship way. They make money um, is what I would recommend Um, just because, you know, ads ads force companies to make decisions that I don't always agree with. But I mean, teach their own.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a kind of tricky area to work in. Like you see it with like like Facebook on a lot of trouble this yeah. past year. Um and just yeah, I, I I kinda agree with you saying it just you don't wanna be involved in that because your company can kind of get shot in the foot or it can it can skyrocket, but you don't wanna mm-hmm. deal with variability. Yeah. if you want for variability, you can go to startup.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, so working at Slack, like before you got into there, so I know you had the kind of like connection first, so you got a referral, um, but what was like the interview process like? Did they make you do anything crazy that was different compared to the first uh, time around like for a job?
0: No, I mean, it was definitely more, um, I mean, it was different because I was interviewing for a senior position and like, yeah. so it's just more rigorous. Um, but I uh, I ended up, their, their process is, very like reasonable and straightforward. Um, it's essentially like a phone screen, tech phone screen, and then you have a project and then you have an onsite where you discuss that project. Um, and like, and also with the hiring manager and like all these different type of people. Um, so I I thought it was a very reasonable, pretty like fast process. Um, and yeah, I there was nothing unusual about it.
1: What, what was the project like?
0: Uh, oh, so they don't use this project anymore. So I guess I can say what it was. Um, it was essentially working on the user directory uh, for uh, Slack. If you go in, if if your viewers at home use Slack, uh, you can go and look um, at like a directory of all your of users in a workspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it gave you like a search and then you had to like, put in, like do some stuff with, you um, like offline mode, um, core data, I had to do like a huge like persistence core data stack. Um, this is something you don't have to do for web development is like persistent storage, that's like beyond just like caching, but like, you know, just a lot, of, lot more intense um, sort of systems and, uh, when it comes to like persistent storage. Um, and then uh, do like a networking library with that, um, some style guide stuff. But yeah, it surrounded our Slack users. Um, It was very reasonable. Uh, I mean, I spent so much more time on it than they were it, they expected, uh, which I thought was, which is actually good. I I know that everyone is like, oh, my project should take three to four hours. It's like, no, it does not. All of the projects are taking everyone like eight hours plus. Yeah. Um, and if they aren't taking people that long, then they're probably not doing a great job um, or they're not going to pass because everyone else is putting in a ton of time. But like, you know, the Slack one, I, the Slack one was a from scratch application. Um, And just like the, like the scaffolding of creating a project alone takes you 45 minutes um, to just like get it to where it should be so that you can start actually like building something really nice um, with like tooling and that sort of thing. But um, anyway, I I felt like what I think is really great about take-home projects is that they teach you how and prep you for other interviews. So Mm -hmm if you're doing that your interview is essentially practice um and it's like i think that that's way less nerve-wracking at least for me um like my take-home projects are that i've done in uh, my interviews have been some of the most important things to help me to get to on-site level um other companies because they just you know you're, you're practicing you're making sure that you remember things um, cause that's stuff you don't do very often is like early stage application development.
1: Yeah. And you have to like Google stuff. So you said, like my concepts, you might get asked about, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a, good, it's a good refresher. So like working on, on Slack, you know, that's an app that everyone is kind of using, relying on every single day, mm-hmm. uh, we work on anything where, you know, it was like, okay, like people need this or it's crucial, or, or maybe if I push this code, like it's going to ruin this organization's communication all okay.
0: <laughs> yes um yeah like the most important thing about its lack is stability um because it at some point like people need people are relying on it for them to do work and so stability is one of the, the number one things um that you can that Slack, that i as an engineer can provide um i i mean I worked on a whole host of projects at Slack. Um, it was very fast-paced. Um, I ended up working on like a search input bar um, where the PM was like really insistent that we do like you be able to copy and paste a thousand names and they individually tokenize and search. Yes, and it was just like, which it has since been deactivated because nobody was using it. Um, uh, But at the time, it worked very perfectly. (laughs) That was probably like the bleeding edge of, I think, what you can do on iOS um, because it had to like, it's a search input bar. So like people had to be able to engage with it and type in it while it's like, you know, uh, resolving plain text into tokens that have people's images on them, um, and then, you know, those conflict resolutions, it was crazy. Um, so that was a really interesting one. So that one maybe I didn't have to focus as much on like the right liability because I was pretty sure nobody was going to use it. But um, it, I, the thing that was most important to me on that feature was actually building something that people could reuse. So I saw it yeah. as not just like my external customers of like the people at Slack who uh, the people external from Slack who are, are are you know pasting in names, but it's also I built a search input bar that is now being used throughout the entirety of Slack. So when you use search um, like for invites and whatnot, that's that's what I built. Um hey, yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah. So I I saw it as like an opportunity to also uh, engage with like something that other people can use reuse and it wouldn't have a lot of dependencies that were hyper specific to my use case um so Mm. my use case of pasting was like just a fraction of like the actual feature which i uh, was allowed to be like ported throughout the application um yeah slack slack is such a fun and interesting problem um, that people use in in so many different ways because everyone's workflow is different, um, and so yeah. just being really cognizant of everyone is everyone is truly a snowflake uh, that is a like Slack user. And we really, oh, I guess I, I I left on Friday, so I guess it's not we anymore. But um, at the like when I was there, every single person's like Zendesk ticket was taken highly seriously. I mean, you know, whether you're like IBM or some free team like everyone's problems are considered quite valid and like data points of like where we could do better um and so that was something that was really fantastic about working at slack is um the engagement uh and that people had um and making sure that people had good positive user experiences and even when they had negative experiences that they felt heard about them was important
1: yeah you know it's it's a it's a global company like whenever it, it has been down which has been rare you, you see all of Twitter like going crazy. So,
0: yeah, I mean, happen. that's the thing is like our users are incredibly vocal. And so it's also self-preservation. Like if everyone's going to yeah. Twitter, it's like saying like something's going wrong. Um, like that's a that's a problem. Um, there was a bug <laughs> that like directly affected Jack Dorsey that I worked on. And I was like the iOS wor- engineer working like, on it specifically. And yeah, he was the one complaining about it, and oh, I was, like, so I was like terrified because I wanted it to, because you know, I didn't want him to tweet about it and for it to escalate even further. Um, and yeah, it's like it—it it really matters. People are people are vocal about their feelings, so you you want to you want to fix things to make people happy, but you also want to like make sure <laughs> like you are gonna be fine.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's pressure. Like if if the CEO of Twitter is, is tweeting about it and you're like, like, Oh damn. Like that's what I built. Like that's crazy.
0: Well, the great thing is, is like, he thankfully didn't tweet about it, but it was like, you know, they back channel and they like say, Oh, Hey, this is like happening. But it's like, they could, they could tweet about it. I use my Twitter to like hassle customer service all the time. So why, (laughs) you know,
1: Uber eats gets, gets harassed by me all the time.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, so eventually you end up leaving Slack and now you're going to start startup. So first, like what is it, what does a startup do?
0: Yeah. So, um, I joined whatnot, which is, um, problematic because I say the word whatnot all the time. Um, but, uh, essentially it is. It is a live streaming platform for auctions um and with like a chat component um they uh, are specializing in all things funko pops and pokemon cards um right now where you Uh, people go and auction off their things um but it's obviously meant to expand beyond uh, those verticals um but i would you know, it's always sort of feels passe to be like, it's this company mixed with this company, but it really is eBay for the TikTok generation. Um, like it's, it really sort of, the people who are deeply successful on whatnot are personalities unto themselves and um, are like known for auctioning off their collections um, and like items that are being sold on whatnot are going for higher than what they would sell um like on ebay or uh like or just like if you were selling them on their own um so it's a it's a the streaming component really makes a huge difference
1: yeah it's a completely different experience like it's crazy how commerce is changing right now because yeah like with this then you also have all these kind of like nfts are, are popping up and then i think I've, I've been seeing a lot of them being sold on vcent mm. for, for like yeah. bitcoin and ethereum yeah. and that's all crazy. So, it's like, is your platform also like accept Bitcoin and crypto? No, it's
0: not. Um, that's I think the next that's step in going to... Gen Z. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, so, I think for like Bitcoin, you would need to like pin it to a valuation. Um, uh, there is a. There is. I'm so sorry. One second. Um, the the turn down people are here. Um,
1: <laughs> Turned down people. <laughs>
0: Hi, right, just a second um sorry uh so right. anyway um the the issue is is that bitcoin's valuation is con- consistently changing yes. um, so if it's consistently changing then the value of what you're buying is is changing over time um, and so I actually have a friend who's working on this problem pretty intimately um, and they were just acquired uh, to to think about this um, by PayPal uh, to allow people nice. to to uh, focus on a a Bitcoin valuation um, that like stabilizing that price um, so that people can use it. Um, But yeah, I think that ultimately the it's, The reason where whatnot really got me and why, you know, I I get a good number of calls from recruiters. But what I found most interesting about them is I actually talked about this product um, when I was at Fashion Week a couple years ago. Um, I have some friends who are more in like the fashion business. Um, And so we were like hanging out and there was this like publicist from Korea and she was like, You know there's this really big app in china that is all like people selling their clothes in their closet but it's all video streaming and i really want to build it but like put it with like a a bent towards more of the western audience um and it's essentially the same thing it's like if i you know went through my closet um So I'm like, maybe collect too many handbags. Um, And so I, if I like went and started like going through my collection and like auctioning them off. um, So there's so many applications that you can have for this that are beyond, you know, a much more like, you know, Pokemon card type thing. So it's a very exciting idea. Um, And they were just uh, given a, a series A of 20 million by Andreessen. Nice. Yeah.
1: Great investors also.
0: Yeah, very good investors.
1: So, uh, what's the name of the company in China? Is that Pinduoduo? I or... think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw some news about them recently. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, looking at like the startup life. So now it's back to kind of like no structure again.
0: Yeah, I'm their first iOS hire. So. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's the exact opposite. I, I think that for me, I, I feel very ready for that experience. Um, and very excited to like build a department. Um, I've now sort of like had a lot of different managers over the years. I've had a lot of sort of experienced the things and like, feel like I can give a really good and healthy direction to a company. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm very excited there. The, the, other thing that they're doing that is very interesting is that they already have an ios app but they're rewriting it um in native Mm -hmm. ios and so my goal is to like get that uh to start it off on like a really great path based on what i've seen that are on really older applications um and some of the pitfalls that they've fallen into um that end up being very time consuming in the future
1: not smart you gotta got build the base like build getting to technical debt is the worst type especially these early stage yeah. so you don't want to get there um so we have a question from the audience uh jared is asking how did you overcome imposter syndrome in your early coding days
0: oh um interesting i that's a hard one i feel like i struggle with that still to this day um I I think, like, coming at it from a really sort of, like, everyone has positive intent, um, I think, is a really important thing. Um, I think that when, especially when you're earlier on in your career, you just really want to be right. Um, and you want to, like... Have, you want people to respect you, and you don't want to just be right because that makes you feel good. It's because you want people to respect you, and you want to be considered valued, mm-hmm. um, and uh, making sure that like you are value add and you're contributing in that type of way. And I think that um, I think getting over imposter sem- imposter syndrome is really about being willing to put yourself out there and be wrong. Like it's not about feeling more comfortable with being right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that that's one of the better thing. Cause then once you start to have more like interesting conversations with people about like what you guys are building and really feeling like you understand and know something, then you can be more comfortable with sort of like multiple opportunities or multiple ideas of ways of building that. Um, and I think that for me, like my, my like North star, like idioms that I say of like engineering is like, you know, don't fit a round peg into a square hole or like everything is about trade-offs. Like those things are really true. Like not every single thing that you are that or a piece of advice that you get is like or technology you know about is the answer to the current problem that you are experiencing Mm -hmm. um and uh being like very comfortable with saying hey this is generally what you would do but maybe we don't do this in this moment because of timelines or it's just not a perfect fit um and then like understanding what those trade-offs are so i think that you can combat imposter syndrome by being really open to, um, like your peers and, uh, responsive and, you know, differing opinions, cause it'll allow you to create better opinions. It'll allow you to feel more comfortable with why you feel something the way you do, um, instead of holding your, your ideas very dear.
1: Yeah. So just be like being authentic. So like, yeah. you are an imposter, you, you might be learning, but if you don't say it out loud, you end up making yourself look worse than, you would otherwise.
0: Yeah, it's like yeah, exactly. All
1: right, perfect. Uh, so, so I always like to close on two main questions that, you know, bootcamp grads love to hear. Uh so the first question is if you're graduating from bootcamp today, what would be your game plan to get hired?
0: Hmm. Um I mean the same thing I did the first time and I've done each time, which is um uh I, I yeah, I, I mean, I would apply everywhere because every interview is practice um, for the whatever the interview. There is no strategy for applying. Apply everywhere. <laughs> do it immediately. Numbers up. Yeah, like it's about creating a pipeline. It's not about, um, there is no way of like being like, oh, well, I really want to do Google. And so I should do them two weeks after. Like when you, the, the companies are in their own timelines, you cannot mm-hmm. predict them. And it has nothing to do with you. So you need to get practice. Practice is the most important thing. Um, And uh, with that get cracking the coding interview, Uh, I think it's like chapters one through four and chapter seven, I think on systems architecture. um, Those are the like, do those, like sit down, learn those. Um, Even if you you never get those problems in an interview, it will allow you to start thinking very critically and tightening up your solutions. Only give yourself 30 minutes um, to like explore the problem in in a more long-term way and you'll get faster. But like, as you get faster, start being like timed, like 30 minutes, you're in an interview, you only have 30 minutes. Um, Then I would say, those are more the technical parts of it and mechanics, but then on a softer side, craft a narrative for yourself. Like, why are you here? Why are you talking to them? Um, and like, you know, people want to work around other people who they find interesting and fun. So, mm. like, think about think about that, and you know, feel feel good about who you are and also what you bring to the table. Um, so, create the pipeline, though. That's that's the most important thing. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: All right. And then other question is, what should every bootcamp grad guy be doing in the first year of their career?
0: Learning. <laughs> like, you know, learning. yeah, that's I, I think I said it prior and like in earlier in this interview, but your first year out of um, uh, as a new grad is about learning, about setting the foundation for the future of your career. Um, there's no time to waste. Um, and every single person is a person you can learn from. One of my mentors is, uh, specializes in machine learning and he works on like Kubernetes and like all this backend stuff that I don't know anything about, but because I just wanted to like learn from him and I found him interesting. We've mm-hmm. had like, I think I've been, uh, he's been my mentor for like three or four years now. Um, and he worked at Yelp. Um, he's now at Airbnb. Um, so I just, I, you should really focus on building that foundation, um, and learning like solid engineering principles that will set you up for the future.
1: Well said, well, there, there you have it. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find you in a follow your work or kind of ask you a question, uh, where's yeah. the best place?
0: Um please reach out. My uh so my email is Laura at whatnot.com. Um and yeah, uh you can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um it's a little bit more chaotic on my own LinkedIn, and so sometimes I'm less responsive. Um give me a week or two and I'll I'll make sure I reach back out. So if you can't remember if you don't remember Laura at whatnot.com, um, please reach out via LinkedIn. Perfect.
1: So there you have it, everyone. Laura Weaver, now a iOS engineer whatnot, which is a cool startup. So check that out. But otherwise, thank you so much for, for sparing your time, especially while you're skiing. Uh, so, so we definitely- learned No a lot
0: problem. Today. It's my little après ski time, you know. Uh.
1: <laughs> One way to relax. Uh, but yeah, thanks again. And good night, everyone. Until next week.
0: Thank you.